Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которые очертила десница Твоя для поклонения святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего. Пропитай нас Духом Твоим Святым. Позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную. Великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь. Можете садиться.
If you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths and the riches of the wisdom of God that lie beyond our understanding, but that the Lord intends to reveal to our heart upon the condition that we will fulfill his requirements when it comes to his word, to hunger and tremble before it and be ready to fulfill it. Matthew 5, 45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. This is a command that God spoke like, it, like he said, let there be light. The first words that he spoke when he created the earth, when he created the universe, he uses the same kind of command here, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Call to Perfection. And as I say, this command is above the comprehension of the human mind. To be perfect as their heavenly Father is perfect. Not a single person beginning to think about these things can understand that because is it possible in this mortal body that is corrupt? that is burning with lusts and all kinds of desire for sin, is it possible to be perfect that the Heavenly Father has? If this was not possible, would He have commanded us to be this way? We see that this is not just a command, this is a promise. And this promise contained in the commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations. And this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Students have this ability. Therefore, people who do not accept God's delegated authority over themselves have no part in the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and are not able to have it. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue, of, cor of course, if it is there, because in many hearts, of men that call themselves Christians, but at the same time say, I'm not yet holy, I'm not yet, yet righteous, I'm only trying to be, then why do you call yourself a Christian? How do you have the right then to call yourself a Christian if you're not yet holy and you're not righteous? And in what way are you be trying to become righteous? Well, doing something, then why do you need Jesus? Jesus is our righteousness. He gave it to us freely. He gave us justification freely so that we, based upon this justification, would be righteous and perform righteousness. And relevant to this, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us, in the two broken tablets in which we died by the law for the law to live for the one 
that died and resurrected. And by doing so, received confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant, in the format of the law of the spirit of life, so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. If our salvation will not be confirmed in the new tablets of the covenant, we will lose our salvation. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. We know that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent, together with the person who represents the fatherhood of God to us, and is our head, the book, the Bible, that includes the Old and the New Testament is the book that is sealed from, out, from outside and inside with seven seals, and no one can access it or understand it, only the one that God calls. But people dare, with their own mind, to interpret the scriptures. They are then given uh, different kinds of positions and honors. Each one person individually begins to interpret for themselves, and the scriptures say one that dares to interpret it for themselves, they place their mind equal to God's, they make themselves God. And so such uh, people of theology or others who come to church not as a student but as an inspector who attempt to inspect the pastors then why do you go to the church that you go? Ask God to reveal to you that church and that person where you will be a student and not as an inspector. Being an inspector, you will perish. You will never inherit salvation. And the most interesting is that when these people leave the church and from that other place where they are begin to uh, complain and begin to teach how to preach and what truth is right and what isn't right. These people don't even know that they've condemned themselves to hell. They, God has become so angry at them because they have resisted his anointed one, his church, that he took their intelligence. He will not give them ears that they could hear the truth, although they will hear, but they won't understand it. They will see, but they will not see, understand what they see, and they will not give them an understanding heart so that they not turn back so God could heal them, because if they hear and see and understand with the heart, they will begin to repent. But the thing is, they understood the principle of the body, but there's not many heads in, for, uh, in one body, there's only one. And it's not the nose or ears that make a decision, but the mind makes the decision, the head. Although they take part in assisting, they don't make the decision, and not our inner organs make decisions. It is not them who are leaders. Why did we decide that in the body of Christ, everyone who sits in the church, who sits on the pews, who sits in the chairs coming to church, 
our heads and we begin to inspect and doing so we say by inspecting we say we are uh, we are the head and we remember people who left this church and other churches as well state that I have my own mind and they become very unhappy when there has to be when they're told there needs to be one head there needs to be a unity of 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 faith a unity of mind when we uh, accept the one head and don't base things on our own intellect or mind but upon the one that God has sent and so think about where you will lead yourself where you will become where you will end up uh, by following your own intellect and they state also they have their own Bibles many preachers stand up and say my Bible says this this is God's Bible this is not mine this is God's Bible you need to worship before and so when preachers state these uh, things and they interpret and they interrupt each other st shouting out these kinds of phrases these are false charismatic services true charismatic service is the practicing of spirit of the uh, of the spiritual gifts but in accordance to scripture where a person seeks the giver and not the gifts of the Holy Spirit, where he seeks the blesser and not those blessings that God gives, where he seeks the anointer and not anointing. And so that is when anointing and blessings and the gifts of the Holy Spirit become accessible to us. And that is only when God desires, because in any situation you can't learn this in a classroom. Gifts of the Holy Spirit are not ours. He is the master of his gifts, and when he desires, he <coughs> reveals these gifts as he pleases, by whom he pleases, and you can't learn this. And when someone says, says the Holy Spirit has inspired me, and suddenly I have to do this, if I don't have enough faith, if I can't differentiate the voice of God from my own personal desires or others, or the voice of the devil, I can say something from the name of the Holy Spirit that is not His own. When I, during one of my sermons, one of the previous sermons, I had said that we have nothing but have everything. We didn't have a church. We didn't have a building where we could, that was our own at the time, our church. And at the time when we were in the church we were, the Holy Spirit inspired me to state that this church will be our own. And I did, I, I had the ability to differentiate the voice of God from the, from other voices, and I stated in the name of Jesus Christ, by the command of the Holy Spirit, I proclaim that this church is our own. The building we were in and people that were amazed by this word became, uh, became disappointed, became, uh, began to make fun of me. <clears throat> and they came up to me and told me, you know, you're a wise man, but you say something so foolish. We have nothing in our pockets. The tr this building costs a million. Uh, and I told him, so how do you then explain? We have nothing but possess all things. 
And those people told me that if I have something, some noise in my pockets, then I can say these things. But but what if God says, called and not existent as existent, and, and that person told me if this will happen, then I will repent. Nine months later, we came into that church and purchased it. And not a single one of those people who made fun of me and mocked me, it wasn't as much against me, but the truth did not come or repent for what they did. And, and if that wasn't enough, they resisted God and began to speak evil against me, performed a division in the church, and they considered that they had destroyed us, but we still live and we will continue to live and we will see their death. They are already dead in the eyes of God. The truth that we hear, they don't hear it. They just don't hear it. The things that we are amazed by and are in awe of, pay price for, are striving for, they don't hear. Their work, their work is evangelism, practicing spiritual gifts, rebuking demons, and materialistic prosperity. And they rely upon the multitude. They rely upon their gatherings and their the people, our obedience of our faith to the faith of God is our obedience to the preached word of God. Not what we read, but what is interpreted. If people could read, they won't understand. People uh, came to the temple and the priests interpreted the scriptures. We need interpretation. We need someone to explain what these uh, what this truth means and god by his mercy finds a person leads him through the furnace through suffering and trials to make him his vessel that he could trust to read and in, <coughs> and take off the seals <coughs> and he places the, this person in his nation and do, does this for the sake of his nation so he could grow his people into maturity in Christ and so the promise of peace is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which God sends us his word by the mouth of his delegated people. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of a man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God. Faith is from hearing the word of God. Faith is information, revelation, information. And when we hear this information, this revelation, we our heart is already prepared to hear and immediately obey. To examine a person as to whether he truly is sent by God to present to us his words is to be done by the power of delegation within the implemented by God order and by the existing within our heart anointing. When a person's uh, placed by God, he's able to interpret the scriptures and the existing within our heart anointing to identify the voice of God in the mouth of that person who is supposed to represent the fatherhood of God to us. If we... Uh, 
God will not tell us uh, or reveal to us if this person speaks correctly. He will reveal the person that you need to listen to. And when we sincerely say, I am ready, we tell God, I am ready to obey the person that you will open to me. God will reveal to you the person, that pastor, that you need to be obedient to. This will be one time. A second time, God won't give you this. If you later will become doubtful, and start questioning. God gave, he had promised, and this is that anointing that he had promised in your heart to identify the, the voice of God in the mouth of that person who is supposed to represent the fatherhood of God to us. Apostle John, 1 John 2, 18 through 26, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Who are these Antichrists, haters of Christ? They went out from us. These are not people of the world. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all these things. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, who try to deceive you and say, truly does your pastor say, where did you get the idea that there needs to be theocracy in the church, there needs to be a democratic system, and people shouldn't have the right, and so, yeah, people have the right to disagree. If anyone disagrees, you can right now, you can stand up, and the ushers will open the door uh, to you. After these words, oftentimes people will approach me and say, Pastor, why are you telling us to leave? So I then ask, uh, so is this you then? I was referring to those who are not in accordance to the demands of God's order. But you st say, why are you telling us to leave? I'm not telling the holy nation of God to leave. I love the nation of God and I'm a part of it. But I'm ready to be freed of every person who does not accept God's order within the body of Christ. This is very important. By the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace demonstrated in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of a man evidence of the fact that he is a child of God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace present in the covenant of peace is actually the treasury of our hope in God, containing the complex of all of the promises of God, that when accomplished is the goal of the given to us righteousness. And this hope is in heaven, in our heart, and in the church, in his temple. Therefore, it is righteousness by the means of the peace of God containing the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, but, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And you can open up with thanksgiving when you say, Thank you, Lord, that you have placed upon my account the immeasurable number, number that is not able to be counted or measured. And so I take from this account exactly as much as I need today. The rest, let it be there upon my account or remain there. Every one of us individually, God has placed an innumerable amount, the wealth of Christ, 
upon the account of every one of us individually, upon the condition that we are in Jesus Christ. And this can keep our hearts in peace, even during great trials, whatever economical crisis may happen, or political crisis, or any other kind of situation, we will clearly know that we are at peace. Upon my account, there is a protection from all revolutions, a protection from all kinds of trials and poverty, and God will feed me in any situation. I am not dependent from any social programs or a pension or any kind of job. I am dependent upon the word of God that abides with forever. Therefore, the peace that is able to guard our thoughts in Christ Jesus are thoughts that are renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. According to the statement, we conclude that people who have rejected the condition where the truth of the preached word in the power of the Holy Spirit renews their mind, as Holy Spirit reveals the truth, renews their mind by the spirit of their mind, have no connection to the peace of God and are not able to have it those who have rejected the conditions and consequently such people have no connection and cannot have a connection to the sons of peace either that by the means of the peace of God would inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven we need to, we need to apprehend well that it is only by the collaboration of our spirit with a renewed mind that is within Christ Jesus that we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ here on earth it's not when we die but before we die receive this into our heart. Therefore, to look at the righteousness of faith, so we bring about the inheritance of the peace of God and the conditions outlining the way our righteousness needs to garment itself into the armor of this peace so that our minds would be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, we have been studying the following question. By what signs are we able to determine examining ourselves that we are sons of peace as well as the sons of God. Because it is by the reign of the peace of God within your heart that you that is not possible to be shaken by anything. There's a glass of pure water. If it's pure, you could, sh you could stir it up and it will remain pure. But if it's pure but there, there's a sediment at the bottom. It's as if it's pure, but as soon as you stir it up, the, the sediment will rise. So any of us can examine ourselves in this way. As soon as jealousy appears, immediately everything begins to stir up in this water, in this heart. <coughs> because it is by the reign of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly the sons of God, as it is written, Blessed are the peacemakers, <clears throat> blessed and glad are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9.
Wim noted that if a person has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and for his fleshly life, in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the baptisms, then his justification, which he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee, will never convert into the quality and format of righteousness by which he would be able to receive the ability to be clothed into the promise of the peace of God so that he in righteousness would bear fruits of peace which is why the prepared for these people crown of righteousness will be taken from them giving them the right to the promise of peace where they can be called sons of God behold I am coming quickly hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown revelations 11 3.11. If there's a danger that the crown of righteousness that we want, that we desire, will be taken by another, someone else, that is less uh, noticed, can take it, one who is hum more humble, who is more gentle, because our pride will be in our way to receive this crown of righteousness. We need to remember that the promise of the peace of God receives its power and its legitimacy within our heart only by the righteousness of our faith and the covenant of peace, which places responsibility upon both sides of the covenant, where each side or participant of the covenant is responsible for fulfilling their role that is implemented by God and the guidelines of the covenant and if either of the sides violates the conditions that were agreed upon in the covenant of peace between God and man we note that such a violator can only be a man then the other side being God is released and freed from the responsibility of fulfilling the conditions of the agreement of the covenant of peace. Therefore, the fruit of righteousness identified as the peace of God within our heart is evidence of the fact that we are sons of peace. This serves as grounds or a basis for God so that he can fulfill his part contained in the covenant of peace. And this consists of leading us into the inheritance of his son so that we would share with him the fulfillment of all that is written about him in the laws, prophets, and psalms. Jesus, here on earth, he had obtained eternal life for us in our body. It's important for us to obtain the stronghold of life in our body. We have this in our spirit immediately when we are born again. But the goal of God is focused not on the spirit, but focused upon the redemption of the body, so that in the body you have the stronghold of life and the stronghold of resurrection, to eliminate from the body the, the law of, of decay and corruption and death, to restore the body to its original state. The body is the temple of God. God, God cannot be within a aging, corrupted, and destroying body. We begin to decay from the day of our birth. We're born with with this element where we were born from the sinful seed of our fathers. It's a program of of destruction, but God has uh, has promised to destroy it. He first places it in the spirit in his seed. The seed of salvation, we receive it, and then this program begins to grow into the, tr the tree of life and begins to capture all in order to reign in the bodies here on earth.
because the justification that we receive by right of our birth from the seed of the word of truth has converted into the quality and format of righteousness, where we have obtained the ability to bear the fruits of peace within our relationship with God and with those around us, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12:14. We've noted that in this place of scripture we are talking about a form of unique and supernatural peace that is to be done by God only within the boundaries of holiness or be an expression and demonstration of holiness. These outlined and identified boundaries of holiness are the commandments of God containing the righteousness of God. The program of God is God's guard. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. This means that you can't. You, this means you can't have peace with all men. Romans 12:18. Therefore, the peace that we dare by the inspiration of our mind to demonstrate out of the boundaries of holiness and not as an expression of holiness, convincing ourselves that God loves us as we are, that God loves everybody. This will be incriminated to us as a serious form of lawlessness for which we will be required to pay a price of eternal life. God does not love us as we are. God loves us as He is. Be perfect as that your Heavenly Father is perfect. He loves those who love Him and hates those who hate Him. Our communication with people that the scriptures identify as evil company or a part of the evil company will corrupt our good habits and will transform us into their wicked image. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 You know, people that have communication with this evil company, why do they communicate with them? Why do they have this friendship with them? Because they themselves, by their decision, have decided to they 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 de they have decided that they can determine who is good and who is not a person can't determine this for himself the scriptures say that here's who is evil and who isn't if the scriptures if this person resists god's order leaves his church he can't be a part of the good company. He can't be holy. He loses his position as a holy person of God. He transforms himself into the wicked. But they say, well, they serve God. And the most interesting is when they leave, they rebel, they speak evil, and suddenly they have some kind of love and want to communicate with us. The devil always has this... Uh, uh, has this kind of quality. Communicate with, with yourselves, the wicked with the wicked. Why is it that these people don't want to communicate with each other, but they have syphilis, find somebody else with syphilis? No, they want to find a virgin, a pure person that's not uh, infected. I'm, I'm just bringing forth an example here that these wicked, they are this, they're like the syphilis disease physically you you will be uh, become sick communicating with them God loves them where did you get that idea that God loves them God can heal them God is not planning to heal them they spat him in the face 
His face is His church of Jesus Christ. They spat into this face and then want to communicate with this face they spit into. Therefore, it is impossible and criminal to have peace with the unclean and the wicked who support the unclean, who in their time accepted the truth but then left their church and turned away from the holy commands that were given to them. The very fact of the rebellion and resistance against the words spoken by God's delegated ones that are placed over them testify of the loss of peace within their heart and member them to the category of the wicked. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 20-21. Also in the chap uh, 49th chapter and other places of Scripture, that God does not, stating that God does not love everyone, He loves the righteous and hates the wicked. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. This is our, the ability to clothe your essence into the holy and selective love of God. Clothe yourself into the holy love of God, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Putting on love is not an emotional thing. This is a wise and voluntary fulfilling of God's commandments that will lead your emotions. Love, when it comes to God, is not an emotional love. It is a wise and voluntary discipline that leads your feelings upon the path of fulfilling God's requirements. You love me, keep my commandments. If you will promise me, as Peter did in his time, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Before the peacock, before the before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he was trying. He taught him in this way that love is not based on feelings. It's uh, supposed to be wise and based on decision. A feeling, feelings themselves are a tool that we use. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. We've noted that according to this place of Scripture, the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart, and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. By itself, the selective love of God is an uncomprehending, for the human mind, goodness of God or kindness that is inherent to God. Since in the selective love of God, which is the goodness of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending, for the human mind, goals and works of God, called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and His children with His obedient children. Comprehending the selective love of God is called to fill us with all of the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. This thought is spoken by 
Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 3.16 through 19, that, you, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. He's speaking to people who are saved, who practice spiritual gifts, who are baptized by the Holy Spirit, who have made a covenant with God in the baptism of water. They have not been strengthened with might through the Spirit. So he prays that they be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith so that Jesus uh, would knock upon their heart. Jesus never knocks upon the door of the hearts of people of the world. Here we're talking about God's wisdom that knocks in the form of the Holy Spirit to be the Lord and Master of your life and to interpret the word that we receive into our heart. May, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints and so if he and if he's not in the heart even if we speak in tongues practice spiritual gifts we will not be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God so to come to more practical conclusions when it comes to the selective love of God we decided to look at the character and quality contained in the selective love of God in the form of seven <coughs> qualities of truth virtue presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the spoken words of the Apostles and Prophets. This is virtue, knowledge, this is self-control, perseverance, this is godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. And each of the seven qualities of the fruits of virtue contains the characteristics of all of the rest of the qualities. As they flow one from the other, they dilute, they are diluted one in the other, complete or support one the other, strengthen one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. These qualities are called to be the moral perfection and example inherent to the essence of God. The given qualities are the great and precious promises given to us in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. Fourth, the given qualities are the imperishable treasure and wealth with which we need to become rich. Fifth, in order to receive the inheritance of these qualities, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit or receive Jesus Christ in the form of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life. And for this, you need to grow into full measure of growth in Jesus Christ. Infants, spiritual infants, are not able to receive. They are swayed about with different winds of teaching. Today, one thing is right, tomorrow something different is right. And the Word of God is not priority to them, but the prophecies themselves that they focus on. How many people I've spoken to, even being a young man, I spoke with a person that was in the age of my father and talking about how the, the Word of God is the most uh, faithful truth and he kept saying, why keep talking about the word? The prophecies are more important here. Why are you always the word, the word, the word? And I said, Jesus never. He always said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He overcame the devil with the written word. For it is written, it is written, he would say. Prophecies are good, but they never are perfect. 
they need to be interpreted, they need to be examined according to the truth, because we prophesy by the measure of our faith, Is the measure of, if the measure of our faith is in the state of a child or, or infant, and, and we will then, uh, or we open the Bible and just point at one place and say, oh, Lord, okay, let's open another place of scripture. This is the way they behave sometimes. Uh, I remember as one brother was praying very strongly and he, with his finger, would point into the Bible. And they told me to open the Bible, close uh, close the Bible, open it, and point your finger on any place that you open to and read it. And he read, uh, the, uh, he ended up, and so he uh, was. He 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 opened up a place, and it says God had allowed that he be covered with uh, with soil. And then another place of scripture: Go and do likewise. If you can imagine what you will come to, just reading one little sentence in places of scripture that make no sense whatsoever, and so. And so this is what they do by prioritizing prophecies over the true word of God. This true word of God needs to be interpreted by a person <coughs> that God reveals his revelations to. The means that we are to utilize for receiving the power of the Holy Spirit is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. By inheriting these great and precious promises, we become a part of God's divine nature. Since the selective love of God demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love that is filled with egoism, greed, and is just temporary. Philio, Storge, Eris, these are in the Greek language. These are three forms of human love: philia, which is a philia, uh, which is a friendship love; storge, which is a familial love; and eros, a love between a husband and wife. There's also love agape, which is above all of these three forms of imperfect love. Those imperfect, this imperfect love, is sold. I'm sorry, my dear one. I've loved another. It just turned out this way. I apologize. I found another man. I found another woman. It just turns out. Let us just remain uh, as friends. If you can imagine a person that comes to God and says, Lord, forgive me. I fell in love with the devil. He's also attractive. Let us just be friends. What do you think? Will God be friends with you? If you fell in love with the devil now, fell in love with another, another husband. And you perfectly understand, of course, that's not going to happen. So then why do you think that this tolerant love uh, and, and prefer it? The selective love of God in the format of seven qualities of unearthly virtue that is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our earthly bodies and clothe our earthly body into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person, the quality of the selective love of God does not compare in any way with the tolerant love of man, because the virtue of the selective love of God are eternally existing virtues, qualities, and characteristics of our Heavenly Father and His all-consuming holiness, His zeal, and all that comes from God, because God is love. 
and more specifically, holy love that is separated from all that man calls love. The bond of perfection of the selective love of God is unconditional when it comes to the seven qualities of virtue. Unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature of the selective love of God in the seven qualities of virtue is different in that it contains the burning jealousy of God, all his knowledge and his absolute wisdom that in no way is able to be used for greedy and egotistical purposes and goals of a man. At the same time, the tolerant love of man toward other men is very conveniently used for greedy and egotistical purposes, as it oftentimes bring about a, a, a popular saying, love is great, you will even love a goat. It's blind. If you love a goat and he doesn't see that it's a goat, only then that this is just a, a, a thief that married her to steal from her and leave her and not able to find this person and he's already after someone else to steal from another. And so love is blind. God's love cannot be tricked in such a way. As soon as you begin to focus upon the gifts, blessing, or anointing, the God begins to immediately see that you don't love Him. If people would have this love, then women who fall in love because of money, you'll, say, you'll know immediately that you're in love with the money, not with me. It's good that it's, or it's unfortunate that people don't have this uh, godly love. Here's what the scriptures say regarding the strength of the love of God. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. The being as strong as death, we know that death and, and that strength, that's something that no one can avoid. All people, all atheists, everyone knows that they will die. It's strong, and that's the strength of my love, that it's not possible to somehow avoid, or it is very strong. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, as 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 the, the fires of hell, a most vehement flame, its zeal, many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Songs of Solomon 8, 6-7 the measure of the love of God is identified by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do this evil. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9 And also, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked are, and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. God does not love us as we are. He loves the righteous and examines him, and the one who is wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates upon the wicked he will rain coals fire and brimstone and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup for the lord is righteous and loves righteousness his countenance beholds the upright psalm 11 5 through 7 his countenance beholds the upright 
Only loving what God loves and hating what God hates, we demonstrate God's reaction to good and evil. The selective love of God by its unchanging nature in the format of seven supernatural qualities is called to grow us into the fullness of growth in Christ or lead us into the perfection that is like the perfection of our Heavenly Father. Considering that these seven qualities of virtue do not have an analog in the earthly realm of the human lexicon, you will not find the this definitions in the dictionaries of the world. Yes, you will, may look up what brotherly kindness is, what perseverance is, what the goodness of God is, but you won't, you won't find these definitions. They'll have its own definition, but the scriptures identify them very differently. The love of God is the foundation and atmosphere of the moral and immovable law opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom. And this is not all the love of God agape is a sovereign love which is unconditional when it comes to the people it chooses in its abilities to foreknow and predestine. You see, they hadn't even been born yet, and God had said, Jacob I have loved, and Esau I have hated. And you say, Lord, they haven't done anything yet, but he saw the program, he already knew how they will behave when they when they will be uh, greeted with the, the birthright, how Esau will uh, easily uh, leave it and abandon it and how Jacob will strongly desire it. The first being for the birthright itself is to be in Jesus Christ. He is the firstborn of his father and every person that is placed into Jesus Christ becomes firstborn with him. That's why Esau hate him, e hated him even in the womb, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, Romans 8.29. Because of its sovereignty, the selective love of God, the holy love of God, never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects. He knocks and waits. Years may pass by, but he's still waiting. You're here. You hear how he knocks into your heart, but he, he's not yet a master in your heart. But he hasn't lost the hope that you will open to him, you will agree with his order, with his commandments, and will accept him as the Lord and Master. In the hearts of the children whom he foreknew and predestined that when he knocks they will not deny him or reject his wisdom and of course his, so his sovereign love never allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated, those boundaries identified as his burning holiness. In a specific format, we have already looked at the demonstration of the selective love of God and the qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, and perseverance, and stopped to study the virtue of the love of God in the mystery of great godliness. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. 1 Timothy 3.16 Therefore, by demonstrating the signs of the fruits of godliness, we identify the true quality of the love of God agape within the heart of a man, in his words, in his actions, and the manner in which he dresses.
And it's not supposed to prompt instincts of the opposite sex. In scripture, the meaning contained in the virtue godliness describes the legitimate relationship of the saints and God bound together in a mutual union or covenant. Furthermore, the essence of the selective love of God in godliness is determined and demonstrated in mutual obligation of God and man, outlined and made, and made perpetual by God in a mutual covenant of peace with God. Further, we note that there is a fundamental difference between the goodness of God in his favor toward man and the godliness of a man, which he is called to demonstrate in his love to God. For example, the godliness of a man is his favor to God, a man's grace to God, and his thanksgiving to God. The godliness of a man is the ability to visit the fatherless and the widow in their hardship and keep yourself from being defiled by the world. The godliness of a man is the ability to and desire to imitate Christ and meditate about the things of the hills. The godliness of a man is seeking God and his good, acceptable, and perfect will. The godliness of God, when it comes to man, is his goodness towards man, his favor and his grace towards man, his mercifulness towards man, his thanksgiving towards man. And so this is, of course, a thanksgiving as a response for the thanksgiving that man gives him, his good work and his good acts, his kindness in the absolute sense of the word. The goodness of God and his favor toward man is an, un an uncomprehending and inaccessible for the mind of man kindness of God, identified by his good and acceptable and perfect will, which was formed in the entrails of the Heavenly Father and elevated by him as a law of grace in the form of his commandment, which God has magnified above all his names and placed himself in dependence from his word contained in his commandment. <clears throat> the Old as well as the New Testament identified the virtue of the love of God in the discipline of godliness as one of the greatest mysteries of God himself, which defends and makes the sincere love of God impossible for counterfeit and falsification. Aside from these characteristics called to identify the character of godliness, there's also a counterfeit form of godliness that exists as well, that conflict, conflicts with or resists the true form of godliness. <clears throat> the true form of godliness, of course, will uh, will crush this uh, counterfeit form of godliness, destroy it. Having, having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away, 2 Timothy 3, 5, true godliness in man perfectly differentiates <clears throat> or identifies a counterfeit form of godliness in man and with disdain breaks all relations or contact with them and distances itself from them as it reveres and trembles before all the dictations of God and possesses discipline capable of fulfilling these dictations with great accuracy. If we don't break our relationship with people that have the look of godliness and will not distance ourselves from them, then they will corrupt our godliness that is contained in our good habits, which is why we, we together with 
with them will inherit the prepared for them destruction. Relevant to this, we need to answer four classical questions. What are the characteristics of both God and man in Scripture? Second, what purpose does godliness have within the relationship of God with man and man with God? Third, what conditions do we need to fulfill to collaborate our godliness with the godliness of God? And fourth, by what signs do we need to determine that our godliness is truly collaborating with the godliness of God? In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question, what conditions do we need to fulfill to collaborate our own godliness with the goodness of God or attract the favor of God upon ourselves. Relevant to this, we have already studied a series of conditions that we need to fulfill in order to turn or track God's goodness upon us in His favor. Today, we will pay attention to fulfill the next condition that is called to draw the goodness of God in His favor is the necessity to find a good wife. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, Proverbs 18.22. He has attracted God's favor. He has discovered the goodness of God. Periodically looking at this proverb, we more than once noted that the good wife is a church of saints that is in accordance to the order that identifies the atmosphere and glory of the kingdom of heaven. Because in a regular marriage, the wife can't be a grace for the husband. Grace is Jesus for, uh, together with the church. Because to find good in the form of a good wife and receive the grace of the Lord is actually to obtain salvation in justification by faith in the redemption that, that is in Jesus Christ. Therefore, to draw the favor of God in obtaining His grace is by the way of a goal-oriented search, find and obtain for a specific price a rare pearl, which is the favor of God in the form of a, of a good wife. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who then he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Matthew 13, 45-46. This pearl is the result of the suffering of a mollusk. The church that is not able to overcome suffering for the truth is not a pearl and is not a good wife that is always trying to prove its rights before government or whoever else. She does, she's not defended by the name of God Most High. They are defending themselves with all kinds of human things. We need to note that the price for the favor of God in the form of a good wife is the sum obtained from selling all that you have, including your life. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Luke 14:33. In order to obtain God's favor in the form of a good wife, <clears throat> it is necessary to seek it and then sell everything that you have so that you can pay the price. To deny all in order to obtain the found by us grace from the Lord in the form of a good wife is denying your nation, the house of your father, and your fleshly life. Here's what Apostle Paul says about this, Philippians 3, 7 through 11. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may again 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, and the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the, de from the dead. <coughs> Apostle Paul had denied uh, even the house of his father when the orthodox Jews had decided to not eat or drink until they had killed Saul. Uh, in this situation, if you remember that the husband of, the, of, of, of Saul's sister uh, was part of this group, and he, she had sent uh, notice to him about this. Understandably, that denying all in that Saul spoke about, including his own personal name, because the name Saul means great, and the name Paul means little. He humbled himself. He took a different name. It wasn't his name. His name was great, Saul. The parents gave him this name. They wanted to see this greatness, that their son would be great, Saul. He also denied his own personal name in order to obtain Christ and be found in him not with his own personal righteousness but from the <coughs> that is that is from the law but the one that is in faith in Christ with righteousness from God by faith he received the ability when he found the good wife that until this time he vigorously pursued and persecuted by putting into prison Relevant to this, I will remind us of those characteristics that identify the order of God in the body of Christ, which is the church of saints that have found the grace of God in the form of a good wife and became an organic member of the church. This order is called to captivate all the aspects of our life so that we can create the conditions and atmosphere in which we would be able to grow into full measure of growth in Jesus Christ to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect and become His clouds that are is able to uh, uh, be these thick clouds that can scatter his bright his bright light. Recently, one pastor called me and says, I'm afraid when they ask me a question, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect as he uh, uh, shines his, uh, upon the good and the evil, which means that he loves the one and the other and blesses the one and the other. And I said, in the context of scripture, also with moisture, he saturates the thick clouds, he scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about being turned by his guidance that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of of the whole earth. He causes them to come to whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. Job 37, 11 through 13. God loves who love him, loves those who love him and hate those who hate him. Look at Africa where there's a lot of witchcraft. Look at how the sun blesses them. And look at look here how the sun loves, uh, blesses America. Because it's not in those who live here, but the saints. There are a lot of Protestants. There's not as many Protestants anywhere in the world as America. The America is called a Protestant country, Christian country. 
and they bless God, they honor Him with their tithes and offerings. And because of this, people in America have blessing more than any other person in the, in the world. And here the sun shines also, yes. See how the rains, they give nothing there. But sometimes there are places that rain so much that destroy. Uh, rain can be a blessing and a curse, and sun can be a blessing and a curse. The order of God that identifies the grace of God in the form of a good wife is the wisdom of God that is in his theocracy that identifies the constructing and destructive power of God. And this is in every aspect of our life and also the systems of our life and the system of the universe that our life is affected by as well. In Hebrew, identifying the order of God in his universe, I will remind us of the definitions of these uh, of the order of God. Looking at the many definitions of the word uh, of, of God's order, it's not going to be a full definition of the list that I will bring, because if I bring forth a full definition, I will need to at least have 40 or 50 pages. The command of God that has his order is very, very vast. Understanding God's order that is in his commandment will determine uh, by the timing and the our collaboration with God. I have seen the consummation of all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Psalm 119.96, the order of God is this commandment in the body of Christ and the body of a man and the system of the universe as well. In Hebrew, the order of God means the system in which the spirit is built, the system in which the soul is built, the system in which the body is built, the order of system of the universe. The system in which the space bodies move. The system in which public is formed. This is decorous or decency in the body of Christ, an organization, a regime or discipline. The order of God is legitimacy, correctness, and system, something systematic. The order of God is statute, law, commandment, rule, and instruction. The order of God is a strict certainty in position and meditation. The order of God is a specific sequence in development. This order of God is the state of being streamlined and organized. The order of God is the state of being comfortable or being well. The order of God is the state of being balanced and leveled. The order of God is present in their organization and service to God. The order of God is present in the organization of offering a sacrifice. The order of God is present in the sanctification and dedication. And he, this is not a demonic encounter. This is our entire life while we're in this body, sanctification that has the goal of dedication. The order is organization, our organization in worshiping God the order of God is also the strategy of leading a spiritual battle. The order in organizing inheriting promises. The order in organizing death in Jesus Christ and the order in organizing life in Jesus Christ. 
we need to consider that all of these wonderful definitions are in great balance one and the other. They are within each other, they flow one from the other, they fulfill or pretty much perfect one the other. In this way, the fact of the bond of the system, the bond of all these definitions, indicates that all of the aspects of our life are called to flow in God's order and that all of the aspects of our life are very tightly knit in God. Considering we found a good wife, God's favor, in the Church of Saints where the wisdom of God is preached and present, the strategy, wisdom, glory, might and the hierarchical levels of God's order are preached. Our time uh, amongst all of these jungles uh, of, of Christianity, as you could say, the ability to find a good wife will depend on whether whether you will perfect your salvation or if you will not. If you don't find the good wife, you will not perfect your salvation. If you will, you will perfect your salvation. <coughs> In order to examine within our heart the hope and trust upon the good upon the grace of God. We need to turn to some of the definitions that identify God's order in every individual church that belongs to the body of Christ and every person that has an organic membership to the body of Christ as in the form of a good wife. In examining ourselves as well as our church, whether we are part of the good wife, we will look at a good person and a symbol of the good person, the characteristics that the scriptures identify as a good person, because the system of the building of the body of a good person the building of the system of the soul and spirit of a good person are very different from the systems of a foolish person. If a good person finds satisfaction in the system of strict hierarchical subordination and, and behaves properly and appropriately in accordance to God's order in Jesus Christ, then the foolish one in the body of Christ will be resistant to the subordination order and will violate God's commands and will convince himself that he's actually resisting a religious dictatorship instead. According to scripture, the term good that identifies the essence of the good wife comes from the nature of God and his sovereign will which is why this term belongs exclusively to God and only after that the born from him those that are born from the seed of the word. And these are people that have a heart that is able to receive the seed of the good word and grow fruit, the fruit of righteousness in their heart. The good fruits of righteousness and not any other religious acts or works are, that are linked to our activity identify our organic membership to the body of Christ and gives us the legal right to the grace of God. In Hebrew, the word good means holy, righteous, 
blessed, one doing good, useful, wise, belonging to God, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the fear of the Lord. Good is God's possession, the holiness of the Lord, being God's lot, one that is desired by God, carrier of the power of the Most High, covered in Christ, abiding in the Word, concealing Christ in yourself. A good person is one that is the house of God. A good person is a person sharing the inheritance of, of, of the gra- inheritance of grace with God. A good person, a streamlined person, a proportion in his understanding, in his comprehension, in his work. A leveled, elegant, search for person, refined person, blooming person, merciful, generous, pleasant, just, truthful, fair. Pure, acceptable, sincere, faithful, honest, flourishing, fragrant, honoring the law and not sinning against the law, free of sin and a servant of righteousness, humble and contrite spirit, trembling before the word of God. Considering the very many definitions that identify the essence of a good person, the carrier and representative of God, one that is within his order because he is an organic membership to the good wife. He is within, again, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. If we will not discover or find this good wife, we will be lacking the grace of God and we will not have any ability then to accept true salvation and continue in this true salvation that is given to us in the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, out of the, the, the Church of Jesus Christ and independent of the Church of Christ, which is the good wife, a person will not have any ability to be saved from the coming wrath, considering that very many uh, definitions of the order of God that a person is identified by or that is determined by as he is good, we need to pay our attention to the order present within the good person and we will look at this in his three the three parts of what a person is. This is the system in which our spirit is built, the system in which our soul is built, and the system in which our body is built. I will remind us that the aspect of our spirit includes the aspect of our conscience, the aspect of our worship, and the aspect of our intuition, that from gen- which people often will say this is uh, what is, would be an underconscience, not a which is not the underconscious or a subconscious, but what is what the overconscious, so it's above the conscience. As the regular world, you would say you're here subconscious, this in this case would be in the spirit as an over the conscience. The aspect of our soul includes, first of all, the aspect of our wise abilities This is also the aspect of our will and also the aspect of our emotions. The aspect of our body is the rod of our mouth and the members of our body given to do the work of the soul and and spirit. Considering that all of the direction of our spirit, soul, and body Every aspect of our body has its own throne 
and is controlled from the position of its own throne. The throne uh, that's in our spirit is our conscience cleansed from dead works with the imprinted upon its tablets elementary principles of Christ that came in the flesh that is within the 12 walls of the New Jerusalem and the 12 pearly gates. The throne authority uh, that is the soul is our renewed mind in the form of the mind of Christ, which is identified as the wise abilities of a person that is ahead of our soul. The throne authority of our body is our humble mouth that confesses the faith of our heart, identified as the elementary principles of Christ. We direct ourselves by what we confess with our mouth. By his mouth a person is condemned or justified. The order of God abiding within the heart of this person that identifies the goodness of his heart, all of these three thrones are dependent one another and function one with the other and work as one command. As our time is up, we will bend our knees and pray, who, however, who is comfortable, and we will thank God for the word that we were able to receive today, and may the Lord bless us. In this prayer, I call everybody, all the saints, that in some way have sinned, that are in illnesses or have sicknesses, have different difficult situations that want to get out of these situations, receiving forgiveness and justification or healing from the Lord or want to receive the promises that they're hearing about, we will pray and the Lord, the Holy Spirit is here to help us. Amen. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is for you. He is not against you. The word that you heard, this is the goodness of God for you. And if you're ready to open up your heart and accept that word, then it right now will throw all of your sins into hell and will blot them out of the memory of God and will put into your essence his holy, unique, and glorious order will heal you and will give you the hope for the future, will remove your shame from you, will justify you. And so please close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. The Lord loves when you lift your hands without anger or doubt. Pray together with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. I come to you with my shame, with my sin, with my dependence, with my fear. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, heal my soul, remove my shame from me. I love you. I want to follow you. I love your promises. I desire that from my body the stronghold of death be thrusted out. I desire, I wait that in my body the stronghold of life be erected. I ask you, Lord, do this work. I open up my heart 
I accept your word in those promises that you give. Enter in and do this in my heart and in my body in the name of Jesus Christ. And right now, I want to bless. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May the blessing of the hills, the ancient hills, and those ancient valleys be on you. May the Lord do his and accomplish his oath promises in your body. May he drive out the stronghold of destruction and death from your body and may he erect the stronghold of life and resurrection in your body may this be upon you and your children and be fulfilled upon you and the nation shall say Amen the more clearly it be written on our heart this glorious promise with all of the conditions that it are included in there the better the Lord when as the reader God will be able to fulfill it and this time is near we are at the door of rapture be joyful and glad before the Lord that you are able to understand and receive this promise that is concealed from many other people that greatest of the minds of the children of God prophets and apostles and they wanted to have part in these last days you are a part of these last glorious days let us finish our service with our wonderful manifestation together now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen <laughs>